Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I love that. Like I said, uh, happy Easter. It is so good to be here with you guys. My name is Chris Kretzu. I'm not sure if I said that earlier. Uh, I'm the campus pastor at South Hills Costa Mesa, and uh, I'm so grateful that you chose to spend your Easter morning with us. Um, You know, usually people dress up in their Easter best and and the matching outfits and all that kind of stuff, and so uh, I'm not sure if you guys are watching uh, with a chat window and Facebook or how you're watching, but I would love for you to put in that box uh, if you're wearing your Easter best still this morning or if you're just wearing your best pajamas or whatever that looks like for you. I know everything's a little bit different. Uh, In this season, um, you will find that there are doubters. Uh, You'll find that others are believers. Some think that it's all too extreme uh, and fantastical. Uh, Some think it's just crazy. Uh, Others seem to have built their life around trying to decide if it's true. Is it possible that the people and the places described in the Tiger King documentary could actually be True. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we are we're celebrating Easter and all of its goodness. Uh, we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the most important thing about the Christian faith. This is the most essential, the most core. This is this is the one thing that makes it all go. Um, you know, even Jesus's followers and his friends, they didn't, they didn't believe he was the Messiah because of his teachings. Uh, they didn't even really believe he was the Messiah because of the miracles. They didn't actually believe until after the resurrection. That's when they really started to embrace this reality of who he was and that he was who he said he was. Paul wrote it this way, uh, about the, the resurrection and, and how crucial it is to our faith. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul wrote this letter to one of the first churches, and he said, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Whatever we're saying, whatever we're talking about, the way that we're telling you to live your lives, all, all of the things that we're encouraging you to do and to stay away from, and, and all, of, all of this is useless if the resurrection is not true, if it didn't actually exist. And this is how much Paul believed. And Jesus' friends and followers and the disciples and the first church, they all believed so much in this. So Resurrection Sunday, Easter, is such a meaningful time and celebration in the Christian faith. But over the last week, um, I've really struggled a lot, and and maybe you have as well, um, because honestly, it it doesn't feel like Easter. Uh, Things feel so different than they normally do. Maybe maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've even said that to someone uh, that you're sitting on a sofa with right now. It, It doesn't feel like Easter. Uh, life in the times of the coronavirus at best is different and at worst is devastating. For many of us, everything is just different. 
for some of us, things have been incredibly painful, uh, hurtful, challenging, difficult, devastating. Um, the Easter that we're familiar with, the, the brunch and the egg hunts and the family and the friends and, and the springtime and the sun and the joy, all of these things that we associate with Easter week and the Easter celebration, it just doesn't feel like Easter. Many people are scared. There are a lot of unknowns. We're isolated in our homes. There's there's fear about what may happen if we go out. The day-to-day reality that we have known, the routines we've grown accustomed to, and the things that we've built our lives around have all been suddenly taken from us. It just doesn't really feel like Easter. This is, this is what I've been feeling all week long, and maybe some of you have felt that same thing or said that same thing. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like Easter. But I wonder if maybe this Easter is actually closer to what the first Easter felt like than any other that we've experienced in our lives. I wonder if, if this Easter, Easter is closer to the first Easter than we could ever imagine. And, and that's what I want to look at today. We're going to look at the, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life that were written in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and these, are, these are men that were eyewitnesses and, and experienced uh, Jesus' teaching, and, and they walked with Jesus, and they knew the people that Jesus knew, and, and they saw their own experiences, and they heard other people's stories, and, and they wrote down names and accounts and details about what happened because they wanted us to know what it was like. And so in John 19, starting in verse 16, we're jumping into uh, the morning of Good Friday. It says, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull. The other name for it is Golgotha. There they crucified him. And John didn't go into a lot of details about what exactly that looked like because he knew that anybody that was reading this uh, in that first century or even in the second century, they would have been well aware what that entailed, the, the brutality of the crucifixion. It says, there they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. And then after hours of agony and hours of this, we pick up and it says, Jesus said the words, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And John's interesting because he, he refers to himself in his writings in the third person. Uh, and, and so in verse 35, John said, the man who saw it, referring to himself, the man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. John is talking about himself because he was there with Jesus' mother at the crucifixion. He says, the man who was there has given this testimony, and the testimony is true. And the reason I am telling you this is because I hope that you will believe what I saw. I hope you will embrace, that you will hold on to 
the truth of what I saw and what I experienced on that day. It was written for us. And then in verse 38, it says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea, another name, a specific detail that John included in the story, asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away down off of the cross. It says he was accompanied by Nicodemus, another specific name and detail that you could talk to Nicodemus. At the time John was writing this, you can talk to these people. The man, Nicodemus, who had earlier visited Jesus at night, and Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. They brought this because they saw that Jesus was crucified. They saw that he had died. And so they brought this because they were going to uh, start the burial process for this dead man. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. And this was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Again, another odd detail for John to put in. And, and I think he put that in there because he knows and he hopes and he believes that people will be reading his account that are not Jewish, that aren't familiar with those customs, that years and years and years later that they would be reading this and wanting to understand what was going on. So he puts these details in verse 41. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Essentially, it was, it was almost time for the Sabbath. And, and once that time began, it would have been illegal. It would have been wrong for them to continue doing this work. And so they were rushing to try and get this done and put Jesus' body in this tomb so that they didn't get in any more trouble. And after they laid Jesus there, they, they leave and they walk back to their homes. It's interesting to, to consider what that would look like. And, and we don't really get much information between them laying Jesus in that tomb and them walking back home. and doesn't really give us detail, but things that happen so quickly. The entire story of Jesus's betrayal and the crucifixion and, and, and the death, all of these things happened in just a few hours' time. And so you can imagine that as they're walking home, they are just starting to process everything that had happened. They are just starting to, to, to become aware of what they had lost, of this friend that they had known. They were just starting to, to come aware that everything that they had believed was different, was, was shifting, was, was wrong. They were starting to wrestle with this grief and sadness and anger all in this walk on their way home. They leave the scene processing that everything had changed. Many people were scared. There were a lot of unknowns. They all isolated in their homes. There was fear about what may happen if they went out. The day-to-day -day reality that they had known, the routines that they had grown accustomed to, the things that they had built their lives around have all been suddenly taken from them. It surely didn't feel like Easter. 
But as we put ourselves into this story, we recognize that it feels like today. It feels like our reality now. Everything is different. Everything has changed. All The world that we knew, the, the systems and the routines that we have built up around ourselves, all of it has been taken from us and we are left wondering, what, what now? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to believe or hold on to? But then, early Sunday morning, the disciples were awoken by a pounding on the door. It was Mary Magdalene pounding on the door. Of course, they didn't know that. And at first they thought that maybe more trouble was coming for them. And, and so you can imagine their timidity opening this door and Mary is standing there. And in John 20 verse two, it says that Mary said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put them. Uh, she says, they have taken his body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. It's all about they have stolen, they have taken, they, 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 they. She had no thought in her mind or in her heart that the resurrection actually happened. She believed that somebody had done something to take this body. Obviously, he was still dead. So somebody must have taken the body out of the tomb. And in Luke, the way that he recounts the story, he says this, the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. But Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. And stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. It says he, he, he stooped in and, and he saw the empty tomb and he saw the, the linen that, that he was wrapped in when they buried him quickly the other night and he saw that it was empty and he went home confused about what had happened. Where in the world did this dead body go? They still did not understand that the resurrection had happened. He went home experiencing more fear more confusion, the unknown of the reality that everything had changed. The story goes on in Luke verse 13. It says, that same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. They're seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Now, uh, this is, you know, a simple sentence. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had, that had happened. But, but let's picture uh, for a minute, these are two of Jesus's followers, two people that knew Jesus, that had been with Jesus, and they're walking at least a seven-mile distance. And they are talking about everything that happened. They are, they are processing. They are talking about the, the grief and the anxiety and the fear and the unknown and the sadness. They're talking about all that had, that had unfolded and how it was so different than what they thought should have happened or thought was going to happen. All that they had believed that now seemed like maybe they had believed in vain. They had put their trust in the wrong thing or in the wrong person. They're not cheerily having a conversation. They are devastated walking this road, recounting the steps, the painful experiences that they had all been through seeing Jesus crucified. In verse 15, 
It says, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. So they didn't realize that it was Jesus walking with him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. You can almost imagine their, the, the disbelief. Uh, what do you mean, what are we talking about? What do you mean, what are, what's going on? What do you mean, what are we discussing so intently? There's sadness and grief written across their faces. And and then one of the man named Cleopas, another specific name and detail for reference of this story, he began to tell this person, he didn't realize it was Jesus, but he began to tell this man all that had happened. And as he told him the entire story, there was a point in the conversation where they recognized that it was Jesus. In verse 31, it says, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Then they said to each other, and I think this is so important. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? They're reflecting back on this seven mile walk where they were talking about the loss and the pain and the grief and the shock and the, and the disbelief and all these things. And, and they had no idea that they were walking with Jesus and they were talking about how it all seemed lost and hopeless, that everything had changed, that nothing was the way that it was supposed to be. And then all of a sudden they recognize that it was Jesus and Jesus disappears and they turn to each other and they say, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? And they go back to the other disciples and they say, the Lord has really risen. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Today, I think that this is what Easter feels like. It doesn't feel like the, the brunch and the, the egg hunts and the, the celebration with friends that we're used to or that we expected or even that we necessarily wanted or longed for. I think today, Easter feels like our hearts burning within us as we walk along a road in disbelief, as we, as we talk to the people that we know trying to make sense of the reality that we're currently living in as we're looking around at everything that is not the way we intended or hoped or wished that it would be, there is this sense that something is burning inside of us. Easter isn't a reality that everything in the world is right. Easter doesn't mean that there is no confusion or pain. The resurrection doesn't mean that we get to have brunch with friends and family. Easter, the celebration of Jesus' resurrection means that death does not get the victory. That is what we celebrate on Easter. That Christ overcame the power of death. That somehow that light has started to blow apart darkness. 
somehow in, in the resurrection of Jesus, that the darkness that we all experience, light takes a blow to that darkness and it begins to shatter it. It doesn't mean that there is no darkness. It just means that the darkness cannot extinguish the light. Death has lost its power. That even while you are walking down a road with a friend, confused and frustrated, while you're on a Zoom call or a FaceTime call or a house party call, talking with your friends and trying to make sense of everything that is going on and, and how everything feels different and it's not what you thought it would be and it's not what it feels like it's supposed to be. Easter is this sense that something is burning inside of us that there is something happening, that there is something different going on. There's something else in the midst of the pain and the frustration and the fear that even when all feels lost, that Jesus is still with us walking the road that we find ourselves on. And I think that's what Easter is supposed to feel like. The sense that in the middle of all of it, that God is with us. And it may not always be clear or apparent, but we have this sense. And maybe after a couple minutes, maybe after a couple weeks, maybe after a year or two years, we turn to each other and say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Did, did you have a sense that God was with us in the middle of the unknown? Did you have a sense that God was with us in the middle of the questions and the fear and the doubt? I, I think I did. I think I felt that. And I didn't always recognize it on the road, but I see it now. That is what Easter feels like. This year has this feeling of God being with us and God being for us and God being in us. That death and darkness do not get the final word. That even though we experience it, we know that they don't get the ultimate victory. Regardless of what it feels like outside of our front doors, Easter is true, regardless of the realities of what's happening in our world. And in fact, as the story goes on for the disciples, after they realize that Jesus really has risen from the grave, it did not get easier for them. They continued to face all kinds of challenges and difficulties and, 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 and people would fight against them and they were imprisoned and they were stoned and, and most of Jesus' closest friends and followers were actually martyred because of their beliefs. So Easter does not equal an easy or perfect path or life. But because of what happened on that Resurrection Sunday, because Jesus is who he said he is because they believe that God was with us and that death was not the thing that they had to fear and that the darkness would not get the final word. They were able to face whatever came with this deep sense of belief that God was in them and for them and with them. And even if the worst happened, that God was with them. out of darkness, out of pain, out of loss, they believed that life springs up. We can feel it burning inside of us. And I think that is the invitation that we have this Easter. In the midst of 
that seven mile road talking about everything that is different than it should be, than we dreamed it would be, than we want it to be. Could we wake up to this sense that our hearts are burning within us because God is with us on that road? That even in the midst of pain and sorrow and frustration, that all is not lost, that life can and does overcome darkness, that something can spring up out of the, the grief and the frustration, that something new is happening. So if you find yourself in fear, if you find yourself confused or doubting, if you find yourself trying to make sense of it all, I think that you are experiencing what everybody experienced on that first Easter. And the invitation for us is not that we get to have that perfect Easter celebration, that, that tradition that we love, and it's not a bad tradition. The invitation for us is, is not that, that everything is perfect and exactly as it should be. The invitation for us is to embrace the truth that darkness has been overcome, that life is possible because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and because of the resurrection we get to hold on to a different belief and a different hope and a different reality, even when it all seems lost. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love. We are so grateful for the Easter story, for the resurrection of Jesus. Not only that he, he gave his life because of his deep love for us, not only that in the sacrifice that he made for us, it, it, it covers the, the, the cost for our sins and for our brokenness. God, we are grateful for that, but God, we are grateful today and we celebrate today that he overcame the power of death that on that Sunday morning that, that death was defeated, that darkness was blown apart and the resurrection happened. Because God, the beauty of that moment means that in the face of whatever we may be looking at in our careers, in our homes, with our health, with our futures, whatever it might be, God, we can hold on to this reality that even in the face of that darkness, there is something burning inside of us. And that is that you are with us, that you are for us, that your power lives in us. And I pray that we could hold on to that. And that today, that this Easter, we might be able to have the purest Easter celebration that we have ever had. The sense that wherever we may be at on this road, that you are with us. Because of that, we have the strength to face what may come in the days and weeks ahead. And as everybody's just kind of in this attitude of prayer and reflection, I think it's so important for us to take a moment because if you're here this morning, if you're watching and, and, and maybe you're watching with a family member or a friend invited you to log on or, or maybe you just stumbled across this video on the internet, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to, to respond to this Easter message. I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to put your trust 
in Jesus, to embrace the reality that death does not get the ultimate victory, to embrace the reality that even in the midst of difficulty and fear and confusion and things not being the way you want it to be, that there is something greater happening. There's something more beautiful springing up in the middle of that. And and if you want to make that decision today, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, and if you want to start living your life the way that he has called you to live. I want to give you that opportunity. And so you can pray this prayer out loud if you're comfortable. You can pray it in your head or in your heart if you want. But I I want you to repeat these words after me if you want to put your trust in Jesus and start a relationship with the living God today. Say these words, Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I recognize that I have made mistakes and that I cannot figure it out on my own. I recognize that I am not in control. But God, I want you to be in control of my life. I give my life to you. I give my desires to you. Would you make me whole? Would you make me new? Would you help me live a different way? And God, would you give me a sense that you are with me always? Would you help me experience this burning in my heart that your presence is with me, that your strength is with me? Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.